Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm going to do this. Hey, right. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunday Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back at a ridiculous hour as we talk about the just announced departure of Tony Mowbray as Sunderland manager. This comes as a, a little bit of a shock. I mean, I felt like it was coming at some point. I wasn't expecting it at this time of night. And, well, everything's gone out the window. We had a podcast recorded ready to go out in reaction to the two games we've played uh, in, in recent days. And, um, well, yeah, we kind of had to throw that one in the bin and throw all of our articles for the website in the bin for the morning because this has just thrown everything to pot. Joining me tonight is Martin. Hiya, mate. Hello, mate. Yeah, we um, we meet again. We, as you say, we recorded <laughs> one in reaction to the Millwall game and I guess some of the themes that we talked about there will be picked up in, in this conversation, won't they? Because it's, um, it's happened a lot quicker than we thought it might. We, we thought he was treading mm-hmm. on thin ice and you know his, his comments after the game certainly suggested he was he was kind of going into bat for himself and trying to you know do that PR thing that managers sometimes do and deflecting a bit of the blame on away from himself but no it certainly happened a lot quicker than I thought it would and you know the timing of it suggests that there's somebody lined up they've got something lined up ready to ready to go so we'll see how it all goes and you know hopefully this poll will get out and people will listen to it before <laughs> they announce the the next chapter of our managerial history yeah, well, on that uh, pod, which is, is now sadly dead, we actually joked about the fact that we have to sack Tony Mowbray before we play Newcastle <laughs> because it's the it's just the way things are when you, you went to a game against Newcastle. And uh, I mean, I'll, yeah, I, I am thrown by the timing, but I'm not shocked at all. I'm not shocked at all. I was, uh, I think when he came out and said what he said, basically about the recruitment after the game and the manner in which he's expected to play a certain players. I think he revealed too much. Yeah. I think he said too much and that won't have went down well. I'm sure he was already treading on thin ice. I'm pretty sure he probably knew this was coming. I don't think Tony Mowbray will be shocked that he's lost his job. And I, I'm a little bit annoyed because there was a chance that they could have flipped the switch in the summer. And, you know, you know, there were rumours in the summer that we were going to replace Tony Mowbray with with a different coach. And obviously his stock was pretty high at the time. We were doing really well. Um, we'd just come off the back of a, of a playoff finish. And it was met with a with a unanimously 
a negative response because everybody felt that he'd, he'd done enough to sort of take the team forward. And it just feels like this is something that's probably been in the offing for a while and they've been waiting for a chance to do it. And yeah, it's it's sad because I quite like Tony Mowbray. I think he's a I think he's a good man. I think we've had some managers down the years who really haven't cared about Sunderland, and I think he's genuinely came in and he's embraced the club, he's embraced the the fan base, and the, and he knows what it's like to be from the northeast because he grew up in the northeast, and he's he's definitely sort of been able to to link what we see on the pitch to the way that the fans think and 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 want to see the team play football. However, you can't you can't ignore the recent form. You can't. We've lost five games from our last nine, two wins in nine, two draws, one of which was against a team who had ten men for most of the game. So the the form is certainly not great. And after losing two games we should have won and then just about scraping by against Millwall, I said after the game, it's a little bit annoying that nobody gets to hear us say these things, but you know, the, but I said that I think that the that the penalty which we got in the Millwall game probably saved his bacon for another week because I thought he would be sacked straight after the Millwall game had we lost it. Yeah. You know, so I'm not totally shocked by this news, but at the same time, the timing is suspicious. And like I say, it could well be that they've already got something ready to go. And, as you know, the way things are now, I would suspect they have. But I'm sad for Tony Mowbray because I think he's, I think he's done a great job. He'll come out of this with his head held high, He'll get another championship job, I'm sure, if he wants one. You know, he, he has been in the game a long time and he might want some time off. But it, yeah, tinge with sadness, but I think it's probably the right thing that it's happened. No, I agree with you. And, you know, I um, I was thinking back to when, when those rumours happened in the summer. I think it was about, um, it was about Farioli, wasn't it? It was the, the one who was, who was linked, um, who's gone on to do a brilliant job at Nice. So, you know, there's little chance of getting him out of, out of France at this point. But, you know, it's no accident that those rumours occurred. You know, the club were obviously sort of testing the water, testing opinion, gauging opinion around Tony Mowbray. Now, you came in at the you know at that point where Alex Neal had departed for Stoke, and you know his remit was to stabilise us, keep us up, and he, you know he's done a really good job. I think you know for that mm-hmm. point in our history, in that chapter of our our history, he's done a really good job. Um. You know, there's question marks over his, you know, some of his tactical stuff. Certainly, this this season, more more so in recent weeks, where he hasn't been able to figure out a, a solution. He's rarely had a plan B. He's chucked subs on willy nilly, trying to affect the game, and they the rarely do. So there's been a few things um, this season, especially that have kind of, you know, made you think about his long term future. And I think, you know, we we all were of the opinion that he he was the right person at the right time. To stabilize the club, get young players into the team, give them a chance. You know how look how Jack Clark's developed under under Tony Mowbray, you know, under Alex Neal in League One. He was barely getting a kick. He was on the um, well, he, he played a few games, didn't he? But he was on the subs bench for for the playoff final. He was playing wing back at the start of last season, and he wasn't really firing. And you look at the improvement in Clark under Tony Mowbray's management. So you know, there's an awful lot of positives that he's he's delivered for us. But I think almost unanimously. Everybody was of the opinion that he wasn't going to be a manager who wins promotion with Sunderland. He was going to be a manager who stabilizes mm. us, gets us, you know, into the playoffs last season. I think, you know, he's probably been a bit of a victim of his own success and circumstance because, you know, yes, we finished in the playoffs last season, 
But I think, you know, when we looked back at points totals, the points total that we got last season wouldn't have got us in the playoffs 11 times out of the past 12 seasons. So, you know, it was a, it was a low points total for a playoff finish. And we had somebody like Ahmad who could pull a worldie out, out of nowhere and win us points, um, which he frequently did last season. And we've struggled without this season. So I think ultimately it comes down to, to form and results because, you know, regardless of anything else on, on that's happening with the club, regardless of the strategy that we've got, regardless of the fact that we're developing young players and all that sort of stuff, the results have got to be good. Yeah. You know, we talked um, after the Huddersfield game and the results that we've got recently, you know, you said two wins out of nine or whatever it is, it's relegation form. If you spin that out over a full season, it's relegation form. And we just don't show any signs of getting out of that, that run of form. And that run of form has been against clubs who are in sort of bottom third primarily of, of the league. So we've been crap over the last few weeks and, you know, Mowbray has paid the price. Yeah, he has ultimately paid the price, like we say. Very, very sad to see him go. I am. I am sad to see him go because no, I think bloke. he's done a brilliant job. Good bloke, you know. He's not leaving here with with anybody sort of gunning for him or anything like that. I just think that sometimes things come to a natural end. And a lot of people might not like us saying that, but I do feel like they've probably looked at the sort of trajectory of the season and they've thought, we're going to have to just try something else here because, you know, I, I, I don't think he was getting the best from the squad, certainly recently. And more crucially, the noises he was making and the, the sort of things we were seeing from the sidelines suggested to me he perhaps wasn't willing to, to adapt to, to make things work. It was all very much, you know, this is the way we do things and I'm, I'm not going to change necessarily. And there will have been noting, noting everything that we're saying oh, of course, yeah. throughout, the, throughout the season. So, you know, it, it's sad. It's sad to see him go. But I, I, like I say, I, I can totally understand it. Maybe, maybe people won't like me saying that, but, um, you know, I think it's just the way things go. It's it's interesting though, isn't it? Because you you know you, and you know I'm a little bit older than you, so you kind of looking back to you know the eighties and nineties, and managers were given time. And I think you know there there is, and I think it's it's not just Sunderland; it's common throughout football, right? We we go through a bad spell of results, and managers pay the price. Now, yes, of course they're ultimately responsible for what happens on the field, but you know there is part of me that thinks you know if if we didn't make the change in the summer. We ride it out this season. And, you know, again, we talked um, last week about the run of fixtures that we, we've gotten. We're, we're struggling to break teams down who get everybody behind the ball and, and sit back and try to catch us on the break. Whereas the games that we've got coming up, especially the likes of Leeds and Hull and people like that, they'll come at us. And, you know, they're, they're the games that are actually more suited to our style of play, even though we're playing against teams who are higher in the league and, and performing better. So, you know, there's always a chance that you go through that set of games and you actually get a decent set of results and you're back on track. Now, the thing with, with Mowbray, which, um, and, you know, so we, we kind of know that Kirill and Speakman and the, the board are pretty ruthless. You know, we saw it with Lee Johnson. Um, yeah. You know, a couple of bad results. We were top of the league, a couple of bad results, or one one terrible result, and he's, he's out. So, you know, they are ruthless when they've um, decided to, to act. The thing with Mowbray, and like we've seen it all the way through, and I think it's just him, isn't it? He comes across as a very emotional manager, and he has these periods where you know you you listen to some press conferences, and he's upbeat and positive, and he's talking really enthusiastically about the the players and about the games coming up, and we it tends to be when we get good results, and we get good results after he's talked like that. Often, 
something must have gone on behind the scenes and he's down, dour, you can't get any enthusiasm out of him. And he's been like that for the past month. And like we saw it, you know, when we saw it last time, we saw it in that run of results before we played Stoke. And he was bemoaning, yeah. in fact, mm-hmm. Ross Stewart was injured and all this sort of stuff. He kept, he was he was just down. He was he was depressed, whether <laughs> whether it's clinical or not, <laughs> probably not. But he, was, he came across as if he was depressed about the whole situation. We got beat off Stoke, hammered off Stoke, and his mood suddenly changed because he realised, oh shit, I've got to lift these players up. And we went on a decent run of um, form and then, then results. And he's been that really sort of down manager over the past month. And that's just been reflected in, in the results now, whether he's frustrated with the quality of players he, he's been given to, to work with, because obviously he has little say in the players that, that are brought in, we're led to believe, or whatever it is, or something else is going on behind the scenes. But if that's coming across to us as fans, it's going to be coming across to, to the players. So, you know, obviously the, the people who've made the call are far more in tune with what's going on day to day at the club and they've seen the need to, to change it. So it'll be interesting to, to see what happens next because, you know, Speakman often talks about having plans, having play, people lined up, having shortlists, talking to, to managers and it would be irresponsible not to do so and all that sort of thing. And, you know, I think it was even last season, it was it the Birmingham game? where he had um, Struber, the, the Austrian fellow who was at Barnsley, he was sat alongside yeah. him in the director's box, and apparently he hooked up with Kirill Louis-Dreyfus in, in America over the summer. So, you know, that's certainly one person who they've spoken to over the last year, um, and I'm sure there'll be others too. So, yeah, it's, but it's not a surprise. Like, ultimately, it's a result, and, you know, you pair that with his his demeanour over the, the last month, and, you know, all things considered. It's, I actually think it's a shame, because I, I like him. And he comes across yeah. well, and he felt right. You know, you get, as you say, you get some managers like Moyes who you can tell just don't want to be here and they can't wait to get out of here. And Mowbray felt different. He felt like a good fit. Um, and he was, like, as I say, he did a good job. But I think it's time yeah. now, if we want to achieve anything this season, that we've had to, to change it up. Yeah, well, you mentioned Christian Speakman there, so I might as well read through his statement and then we can have a little, little chat on what we think about what they've said. So this is from Christian Speakman. He said, all at SAFC have thoroughly enjoyed working with Tony and he is quite uh, rightly held in high regard by our players and staff and our supporters. After arriving at an uncertain time, he helped guide us to the Skybet Championship playoffs and played an important role in developing our team. This was a difficult decision to make, but we remain loyal to our ambition and strategy, which I think is key because he did question that in those post-match comments. Um, and felt that now was the right moment to take this step. We are now focused on identifying the right candidate and we will continue to support our coaching team and players throughout the interim period. Kirill Louis-Dreyfus then added, I would like to place on record my gratitude to Tony for his hard work and commitment to Sunderland, a place where he will always be welcome. As custodians of our great club, we believe in our long-term strategy. Yet again, there's the strategy mentioned. uh, That we hope will ensure sustainability and success for SAFC. Central to that approach is a relentless demand for a high-performance culture to be implemented throughout the club and the development of a strong playing identity that you, our loyal supporters, can all be proud of. Again, quite a pointed Mm. sentence that. Your continued support will also be fundamental to that process and we look forward to seeing as many of you as possible at the Stadium of Light throughout the festive period as we enter 2024. I think the, the big take from that has to be the, the, the mention of strategy on more than one occasion. He questioned that strategy publicly. Yeah, exactly. Maybe this was, 
in the offing. I'm pre- I'm presuming he's had these conversations with with a lot more vitriol added in private, but to come out publicly and question the way things are done and basically say, well, this is the way it's done here, and I know what I signed up to, but you know I would prefer some experience. Well, you, you've you've basically wrote your own P forty five in my opinion when you've done that. As much as I like him, you know, and and he admitted himself, he knows what he signed up to. That ain't the way we're going. No. You've got to, you've got to embrace it. And again, this is something we said when we last spoke. You know, we've got a lot of players now from abroad, in particular young players, who, to me, I don't feel have been have been handled in the best way. And it may well be the next appointment is made with that in mind. In that right, okay, the next guy through the door has got to look at what he's got at his disposal and get the most from it. Obviously, we can go... I mean, there's so much we can go on about here, and I'm not going to do it all in this podcast, but the you know the, the inability to get the to get the strikers firing, the the unwillingness to really change the style of play to fit strikers into the system better or to, to create chances differently. The foreign players, a lot of them just aren't getting a proper chance or, yeah. you know, they're, maybe, they're in and out of the team. You had some appearance here and there. We haven't seen Bennett for a while, you know, all these things that they will have been, they'll be looking at these things and saying, "We've invested money into some of these players. Like you, you need to make the most of them being here." And if there's a view being taken that he's not, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, he mentioned again after the game, he basically said that he's the sort of impression I got was he was basically saying the directive is that he shouldn't be starting Pritchard and Dak. Like. Yeah. Well, that, that, was, that was the impression. I think he's he, he yeah. said too much, hasn't he? He said yeah. too much ultimately. Yeah. The part that I would argue against that is that if, if he's been told that, first of all, that's wrong because he's got that squad and the experience is a key part of how we, we need to build that squad. You know, yes, we prioritize youth players. Yes, we buy younger players and develop them. But you've got to have that smattering of experience, which we've got in Dak and Pritchard. Although I, I think the club didn't expect Pritchard to still be here at this point, to be perfectly honest. But it is his um, his management of of some of the younger players has been puzzling. You know, Bennett's been outcast. You know, we haven't seen him since the triple Maradona turn and cross against Southampton, where he set up Riggs goal, have mm. we? Um, Hamia has been treated appallingly, and you know, we you look back at him and he came with a good reputation, did well in preseason, played an hour or 70 minutes against Ipswich in which he, he did all right and he hasn't started another game and he, you know, apparently he hasn't been um, showing the best of attitudes in training and all that sort of stuff but is that as a consequence of him being treated shabbily in, in terms of selection? So you never know but I think he, he hasn't managed those players well and you know, <laughs> tellingly I think on Sunderland's Instagram post that they, they announced the sacking of Mowbray the departure of Mowbray, Mason Burstow liked it. So does that tell you mm. something you know i think it probably does but look it's, again ultimately yeah he's 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 not got the best he's not got anything out of the strike strikers haven't scored a goal we've got four strikers there we've had strikers all season after playing six months the last season without them and the strikers haven't scored a goal between them and you know if the club if speakman and the recruitment team are all you know doing the, the due diligence on players doing the research on players that were led to believe really you know Making sure that the signs that they bring into the club are right, they've they've got to stand by that. And look, of course they're going to get one or two wrong, but more often than not, they're going to get them right. And there's absolutely no way in the world 
if they're doing the, the right work off the field and you know, research and signings, there's no way in the world that four strikers can come in and all of them be duds. It's not possible. So those strikers, there might be one who's a, a dud or even two if they've been really unlucky, but four of them to get to this mm. point, you're in December and we haven't had a striker score a goal. And that is how the team's set up. This team isn't set up to, to for strikers to score goals. And, you know, there was a stat I, I saw earlier, actually before I read the news about Mowbray, and it, it showed the um, percentage of our shots that strikers are having. And in the last eight games, out of all, even though we've had tons of shots in a lot of the games, you know, there was 20-odd shots at Plymouth or something and 25 at Swansea or wherever it was. In, in the last eight or nine games... Our defenders have actually had more shots on goal than our strikers have, which tells you everything yeah. about how we're actually playing, how we're setting up. So you've got that aspect to it. And then as we touched upon before, you know, he, tactically, and this has been a common thing throughout um, his tenure, and it's not this season, um, it's not this season only, but we haven't had a plan B, have we? We've just gone out, no. tried to play our game, regardless of what happens. Now, that that's him. <laughs> That that's not a direct. That's not the strategy of the club. That's not a directive of of anybody else. That's him deciding to do that. He hasn't been able to change within the game. And you know whether that's him. Well, oh, these these kids can't adapt to that so quickly. I'm, we've just got to concentrate on this because this is where they'll be able to understand. Whatever it is, he hasn't been able to execute any change in our patterns of play, our structure. And you know, again, after we talked in the Millwall game, we spoke about you know. Yes, we've got attacking problems in terms of the strikers not scoring, but also defensively, we're all over the shop. You've got players storming out of position to try to win the ball on the halfway line. We've got fullbacks going into midfield. We've got goals being conceded that are really, really preventable. And we haven't got that solid base to work from, which every team needs that solid base as a foundation to, to build upon. And that's Tony Mowbray. So I think there's a lot of things you, you can question about his... Um, his time here and you know th- these are the conversations that Christian Speakman and, and Kirill Louis-Dreyfus and whoever else will have been having and you know those are the sorts of things that the new head coach will will need to address on that where do we go from here I mean like I say <laughs> I've got a feeling I mean the statement says that Mike Dodds will lead first team training and match preparations until the process to appoint a new head coach has been concluded they weren't quick in appointing Alex Neal they were a little bit quicker when they appointed Mowbray. It was pretty clear they had him lined up. Two or three days, wasn't it? Yeah. With this, I, I'm suspecting they've already got somebody ready, ready yeah. to go. I know you mentioned Struba before. It might be him. I was just looking before. You only signed a two-year deal with Red Bull Salzburg in the summer. Yeah, so he's so, only been there since the summer. And say Farioli's been at Nice since the summer and he's doing magnificently well. So yeah, I, yeah, I think it would probably be unlikely either of those two would leave their clubs to and it's unlikely we'd pay, co- pay compensation I think that was what I was about to say yeah we don't it's not like we we would we've done that I mean if they think this guy or any but if they think the next coach is worth paying money for then I'm sure they'll do it but it is interesting you know the timing of this we're sitting here late at night recording they could have announced this at any point really between sort of Saturday and now. I'm guessing they've had some very frank and honest conversations today which have made up their mind with regards to Tony Mowbray. I'm sure it'll all come out. I'm sure we'll hear about it. But I think, to be honest, I think this shows ruthlessness yet again. Yeah. You mentioned it before. When Lee Johnson was sacked, two 
and a half weeks before, I think it was, we were top of the chap. We were top of League One. Oh, it's tough. Chef Wed five nil, hadn't we? Yeah, yeah. We'd just beat Chef Wed five nil, top of the division. Went away to Bolton a couple of weeks later. Got stuffed, and they must have realised there and then he's not getting us promoted. They got rid of him, and a lot of people were were staggered by it, and couldn't believe that he he was he was gone. And to be honest, at the time, I remember I understood the cold heartedness of it. I was like, yeah, okay, it's the way things are. We move on. And that's pretty much how I feel now. I, I didn't get a sinking feeling or anything when I read the news about Tony Mowbray, other than that every bit of work we've got going out on the website and the and the pre-recorded <laughs> podcast might be selfish. dead at this time just, of night. Just selfish yeah, guy. selfish reasons. But because I kind of expected it, didn't feel anything sort of negative, really. I just kind of... I mean, I'm, I am fully, fully bought in to, to what they're trying to do. I'm, I'm, I've never denied that. It's not something I would ever deny. Yes, they're going to get things wrong along the way, but they've mostly got things right. So my view on this is, is that, and you, you touched on it before, because they're privy to a lot more of what goes on behind the scenes than we are. I trust their judgment. I trust it. They're a close-knit group there, and the coaching staff who've worked under Mowbray, we know that they're... Um, particularly Mike Dodd, Stuart English, those 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 coaches, you know, we know they're Speakman's guys. I'm sure there's a lot of communication between the coaches and the higher ups, and um, and even the players. You know, we know Mike Dodds has got a very close relationship with Joe Bellingham. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, is there's there's communication between all levels of the club, yeah, from sort of the players up to the coaching staff into the sporting director and the owner. So if there's a problem, the I'm pre, I'm presuming there's a problem. Basically, no. presuming there's something something has happened to to warrant this happening when it has, you know, because a lot of people are shocked. A couple of my mates have said I really wasn't expecting that. Mm. I'm sure that other people listening to this weren't expecting to hear that that Tony Mowbray was out of a job. But to me, it ha- there's there has to have been a, a very valid reason for them to do this. Whether it's a a coach who they just cannot. They kind of pass by coming up and they're like, right, we have to just act now and get this guy in. Or there's a feeling that Tony Mowbray has taken this as far as he can go and that he's maybe even losing some of the players. Because let's be honest, I know he's got a very polite demeanour and he's very um, personable because he's, you know, he's a North East lad. He, he speaks our language. But I can't think of many situations where a manager has publicly criticised and named players as often as he has. No, that's right. And has, and has been allowed to get away with it. Yeah. It kind of gets brushed over because it's Tony Mowbray, but it shouldn't. And I've highlighted this quite a lot, particularly with him here. Like, whether he's lazy and trained or not, I shouldn't know about that. That shouldn't be something you're telling the press and then and thus telling us as fans about a player. Because what does that do to his confidence? He's done it with Burstow, he's done it with other players where he's come out and... I mean, the, what basically what he said about those strikers was you know, the, none of them are good enough. So I'm not I'm not surprised Mason Burst was liking social media posts about him leaving. That's ba- you know he's basically come out and said he's not good enough. Yeah. Which what what does that do for a player's confidence? Those are conversations that he should not have been having with the press. And I and you know I was very forthright on that. Even when things were going uh, going well at the start of the season when we were winning the games, I was coming out and saying I don't like the way he's talking about him. Yeah, I don't think it's fair. I still don't think it's fair. But the problem is, is results have dipped. And when you're criticising players when results dip, it makes you look even worse. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, like I say, we're, we're, we're not privy to a lot of what's probably gone on, but you can basically read between the lines with this with this sacking. I think I think it was inevitable. Like like I say, 
I, I, when we last spoke, I said that I felt the penalty might have saved his job in the Millwall game because at half time, one nil down, I thought he's a dead man walking. Yeah. yeah, and it's proved to be true. You know, and the you good know, feeling if, was right. If if he hadn't spoken the way he did after the game, maybe, maybe he would have kept his job for a little longer. But I think you know the comments that he made after the game really signed his own death warrant in in, in a lot of respects because he he completely threw the the players and the Speakman Harvey recruitment um, under, under the bus and deflected any blame whatsoever um, from himself. And ultimately, as a, as a player and a fan, you, you can't have that. You, know, you don't want your manager doing that. You want him to lead and take responsibility for the things he's responsible for, which is results. And look, you can have some sympathy with him to, to some extent about you know the some of the recruitment. Yes, he, he'd like some, some more experience, but... You know, the experience he's brought in, um, i.e. Bradley Dack, has, has been has been awful. And ultimately, the way that we're approaching things hasn't changed since the day he signed up. So it's not as if halfway through his tenure, we've gone, OK, we've got a different direction. We're going to take it this way and do this. And he hasn't agreed with it. He knew what he was signing up for. He was on board with it to start with. And, you know, he's obviously not now. And I think, you know, thinking about the timing of it, you know, you've got... A day off on Sunday, train on Monday morning, have a meeting early afternoon or whatever with Speakman and Carol Louis Dreyfus and whoever else, thrash a few things out, and they've obviously ultimately decided that it's best for him to him to leave. And whether that was the the starting point of the conversation or only the end point, we, we never know. But mm. you know, the 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 thing now is how long it takes us to get somebody else in. And you know, you say about Lee Johnson and you know, to me, that was a more of a reactionary sign, um, Sacken, because of the the length of time it took to get somebody else in. You know, we we went through this whole recruitment process, didn't we, where we were interviewing candidates and psychometric testing or whatever. Psychometric testing, Roy Keane would have been an interesting <laughs> um, meeting to be in, wouldn't it? But you know, we had quite a long process before Alex Neil um, was appointed, and results suffered. Um, and I think our, our chance of automatic promotion were actually blown. In the way that we handled that that sacking and you know the sacking and the the ultimate recruitment, so you know we we obviously learned some lessons from that because Alex Neil's departure was on paper a shock, but again I don't think the club were too surprised about that. Um, and we had Mowbray lined up ready to go in a couple of days, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if we had somebody lined up and a new person in the dugout on Saturday against West Brom. You know who's it going to be? Chances are it's somebody that we've never heard of, never been mentioned, never considered. You know, John Eustace is yeah. one who obviously left Birmingham early, early <sighs> in the season, out of work. Mm. Younger coach, in a sort of head coach sort of way, but, you know, it certainly wouldn't get you too excited, would it? So <laughs> it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting. It sounds always cliched and obvious to say, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what approach we actually take, whether we go for a, a foreign coach who obviously hasn't got pre-season. I, 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 to... I think I think we are. I think that's what we're going to do. I, I I can't see us going. I can't see us going down the British route or the experienced manager route. I think they've been dying to, to bring somebody in who's a trendy coach, mm. like somebody who's used to working in a in a sort of a more European football club where it's where the where the structure we've got right now, it's just the way things are at these clubs. I, I'm convinced it's going to be. I mean, there's a really funny tweet here from from at Weir's cousin, who I think is a Wigan fan, actually. But he's tweeted, Sunderland's philosophy on signing kids to sell for profit 
probably doesn't suit Mowbray. I reckon they've got an absolute turbo nerd lined up. Some 34-year-old graduate from the University of Dresden called Jens will be in by the weekend. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, but everyone's expecting it. Everyone's expecting just like a sort of somebody we've never really heard of. Well, but I think, it's, I think that's what they've wanted to do for a while now. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, if we were sat here in pre-season, I would be 100% on board with that. I think somebody coming in from overseas with the run of fixtures that we've got in the middle of winter where you know training's going to be tricky and we've got game upon game upon game it's the busiest time of the season isn't it um yeah. it's a real baptism of fire for anybody coming in and it's going to be difficult for anyone but you know coming in if you've got no experience of the championship no experience of english football it's going to be even harder so you know I'll caveat all that by saying whoever we do bring in, it won't have been a rush decision. This will be somebody whose name's been on their radar for nine, 12 months. This is somebody who who will have been under scrutiny, under the microscope, research being done on over the past six, nine, 12 months. It's not going to be somebody who they just search on Wikipedia now for out-of-work managers. Well, he sounds all right. Let's get him in. He, he looks the part. It's not going to be... That sort of approach, where you know that, that we've had in the past, to be fair, with some some owners. So anybody who they bring in, the will have done the due diligence on, the will have um, done the homework on, be confident that they can come in and do a job. But as a, if you're a manager, and you know this is why I don't think it'll be um, Strubro Farioli, because if you're a manager who's doing well at another club, and you look at the prospect of coming to us with a team that needs picking up off the floor, a style of play that needs a lot of work a tough run of games coming up and you go, you know, everything could be against me in six games time because, you know, you've got West Brom, Leeds, Hull, Coventry, whoever else we've got. And obviously the, the game against Newcastle coming up. Um, It's a tough run of fixtures for a new manager to come in and take charge. Now, if he gets us through that and you know, picks up form and all that sort of stuff, brilliant. But, you know, there's that chance, isn't there, where you come in and you don't have mm-hmm. an impact. You know, the players like Clark or whoever, you know, there might be some of them who... Who love Mowbray? Yes, we talked about some of them who he might have fallen out with and ha- evidently has fallen out with, and who aren't too sorry to see him go. But there'll be players in there who who want him to stay, who who were playing well, and you know, as I say, Jack Clark's probably a prime example of a player who's really developed well under Tony Mowbray. Um, so you've got all of those dressing room politics to to work out and get everybody on side as well. So it's 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 a massive job. And I think you know it's a completely different proposition to bringing somebody in pre-season. So you know, this part of me kind of thinks, w- will we bring somebody in just for the rest of the season, just to get get somebody in, steady the ship? All right, we're probably you know th- where things are looking, it'll be a push to get into the playoffs again this season. But you know, a good run of form, like we saw under Roy Keane when he was in charge. You know, that good run of form in, in New Year can skyrocket you up the league and and achieve all sorts. So you certainly wouldn't rule it out. But is it more about you know the future, or is it about this season? And I think it's um, you know obviously those two things are intertwined. But I say it's going to be a tough job for any manager coming in, and somebody who's inexperienced in English football and the championship, it's a huge job. Yeah, well, Struber isn't, is he? He was at Barnsley. So I, well, I mean, I'm just sort of grabbing grabbing his name there, but he has managed in the championship at least. But we'll see, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to speculate too much on names because. Really, I'm expecting a quick turnaround on on the appointment, and um, we might as well end it here because I'm sure we'll be back pretty sharpish once the new manager <laughs> is actually in place, and we can actually talk about what we've got 
coming up because like you've just said, they've got a tough job on whoever bring whoever they bring in, but I'm expecting this to turn around quickly. I mean, they could shock us and do another Alex Neal situation where it, it just takes weeks for them to bring somebody in, but I have a suspicion by, by you know, if if not, if it's not in the morning, I'm, you know, the next day we're going to have somebody here. I, 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 think, I think you're right, because it, it would have been very easy for them to continue with Tony Mowbray for the next couple of games. It would have been dead easy to leave him in charge against West Brom and Leeds. Of course, then the, the risk two wins derailing all of the, the, the plans, don't they? If, got, if I've got somebody lined up. But yeah, as I say, I, I do at this point, I do expect somebody else to be appointed by um, the time we, we take on West Brom on Saturday. And yes, hopefully this podcast gets to <laughs> listeners before we, we do the next one. Chances are they'll be talking about the new manager and hopefully we know something about him. So we will um, yeah, see what happens. You never know, do you? We never know. It's interesting. Yes, let's see what happens. Well, cheers for joining us at this uh, late hour for me, early one for you, I'm guessing. Um, cheers, mate. That's all Appreciate good. It. Cheers, Gov. And cheers to the listeners. Thanks for joining us. I'll not plug anything because this is literally an emergency pod. Just buy the book and donate to the soup kitchen, please, on our fundraiser. That would be great. We'll see you uh, <laughs> at, we'll see you at some point in the coming days, I'm sure. Catch you later. <laughs>